0: when you first hear about a 12-step candidate campaign, you may feel that is overboard. But actually, you know, this has been tried and tested. And that's the reason we want to ensure that you're doing a real analysis of your own touch points that you're currently doing.
1: Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and my co-host today is Leanne Jones-Hunt. This is... The third episode in our series of deadly mistakes recruiters make. And today we're going to talk about mistake number three, which is relying on LinkedIn as your only source or your primary source of candidates. So last couple of times we've done this, the focus has been on client development. And we want to shift gears today to look at the candidate piece. Uh, as part of our inner circle program, we have a framework called the six pillars of a successful seven-figure recruitment business, and those six pillars represent the different dimensions of your business, and they all they underpin all of the strategies we teach. So, just for your reference, the six pillars are clients, candidates, marketing, team, operations, and strategy. So today's episode definitely falls within the candidate pillar. So with that being said, let's dive in. Hi, Leanne, how are you?
0: I'm great, thank you. Um, I just wanted to say the response so far to the mini series that we're rolling out here has been fantastic. So, thank you to those that have given us feedback. Um, People are are finding them really valuable and are really resonating with what we're saying. Um, I've had several strategy sessions with people referencing the previous two episodes that we released. So, relying on repeat business and when to know when you're potentially working with the wrong clients. Um, And people have referenced the free odd free job order scorecard that we've been giving away. Um so just a reminder, if you do want to have access to the free job order scorecard, then go to www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scorecard. Um and maybe listen to last week's episode if you haven't done that, like make sure you check that out because it will give some context to uh what the job order scorecard involves.
1: Okay, awesome. Great. So Clients versus candidates, which do you need more of? I actually did a poll on that very topic last week, or it might've been the week before. And it was really interesting because um, what LinkedIn told us, and and we had a lot of responses to that particular poll. Uh, by the way, we do regular polls as part of our LinkedIn content. And it's just really interesting to learn about your network, your audience, what they're thinking. So we asked clients or candidates, which do you need more of right now? And the results were 21% said clients, 57% said candidates, and 23% said both. So what that's telling us is that 80% of recruiters are still very much focused on finding and recruiting placeable candidates. It's like their number one challenge. So with that in mind, I have a question for you, our listener which is as follows, what is your number one source of candidates? So being that finding great candidates that you can place is for 80% of recruiters is their number one challenge, their number one priority, you know, it makes sense to really think about how you go about sourcing and engaging with those candidates. So what is your number one source? Is it, I'm gonna give you four options here, so I want you to really think about this. Is it LinkedIn, number one? Number two, is it your own database? Number three, is it advertising? So that would include LinkedIn ad spots or job boards. And number four, is it networking? Okay, so these are the four main ways that recruiters find candidates. So is it LinkedIn? Is it your own database? Is it advertising or is it networking? So think about your answer right now, just like your gut feel without overanalyzing, what do you believe is the number one source of all your placements? And by the way, this is really important to track. If you aren't already tracking the source of all your placements, like if you trace it back to the original source of candidates, where did that candidate originate from is really useful data uh, so that you can abandon or minimize the things that aren't that effective and you can invest more time and, and money on the things that are effective. In any case, we know for a fact, because we've asked this same question to, I've asked that question on LinkedIn in a poll before, we've also surveyed our own clients, and we know that LinkedIn is the number one source of candidates for the majority of recruiters out there, okay? And we're here to tell you that is is a mistake, that is a problem. Leanne, do you wanna elaborate on the downsides of being over-reliant on LinkedIn as a source of candidates?
0: Yeah, definitely. The downside the downside of the over-reliance on LinkedIn is one, that your clients and competitors are searching on LinkedIn too, which seems pretty obvious, but it's something to really be aware of. Uh, Number two is that candidates are inundated with approaches on LinkedIn. You need to cut through that noise somehow. Um, You know what it's like yourself when you're receiving multiple messages on on LinkedIn. So what's going to make you actually stand out? And three, not every candidate is actually active on LinkedIn. So, if LinkedIn is your primary source, um, then you also may not be utilizing it to its full potential as well.
1: Yeah, totally, Leanne. So like, this is a sort of uh, sub-mistake, if you like. So we believe it's a mistake. If LinkedIn is your primary or your only source of candidates, then that is an issue for the reasons Leanne has just described. But the secondary issue there is that even within LinkedIn, Recruiters are being quite one dimensional in terms of how they approach those candidates. And so we know that many recruiters are reliant on in mails, their primary way of reaching out to potential candidates, of contacting those. You know, once they've done their search and they've put together a list of candidates they want to approach, they're sending in mails as their main way of outreach. And that in itself is also a mistake because, you know, in mails typically have quite a low success rate. Um, we, I, we keep talking about LinkedIn polls today. I, w- I did a LinkedIn poll on how effective are in-mails for recruiting. And the majority of people get less than 15% response. And as you may have learned, if your response falls below a certain threshold, then your account will be restricted because LinkedIn would regard like the response you're getting as being on level with spam. So like if your response is too low, it will restrict, you know, your ability to reach out to cancel on LinkedIn. So we know that below 15%, that was 34% of recruiters are getting that a response. And then another 28% were getting between 15 and 25%. So that's like 60% of all recruiters right there are getting less than 25%. And only 20%, so like, one in five recruiters were getting anything over 35% response rate. So that's just very low, like suboptimal response to be you know using that as your primary channel on LinkedIn. Um, Leanne?
0: Yeah. So we're not saying don't use LinkedIn. Absolutely not. We we just want you to go much further than perhaps what you're doing right now in terms of your candidate outreach and activities. So instead, we want you to have a sophisticated, multi-channel, multi-touchpoint candidate strategy in place where you're leveraging um, different technologies and different ways to generate candidates other than just um, perhaps the standard default route of um, sending somebody an email or or just simply reaching out on LinkedIn. And we actually have a a candidate conveyor belt course on our learning management system as part of our programme, which is incredibly popular uh, with our members as well as team members of, uh, of our members as well. And that really does hone in on the alternative ways to find candidates rather than just being at the mercy of LinkedIn. Um, and a lot of this is also not giving up after the first outreach as well.
1: One of our clients has been on the podcast before. His name is Alan Cutter. And so definitely check out my interview with Alan because what he describes is a 12-step candidate outreach process and that's exactly what we're talking about here is that it's multiple steps you're not just sending one message or a couple of messages and then giving up but it's that perseverance of you know making sure that candidate absolutely knows that you're trying to reach him or her and uh there's no way that they're gonna your message is going to fall through the uh fall through the cracks i know when you're listening to this and thinking 12 steps you know holy cow that seems like over the top and and you might be thinking but isn't that going to bug people isn't that going to become annoying or like could i uh, overstep the the bounds from you know being persistent and then just being becoming a pest and uh, so how would you respond to that objection that people might that might stop people from really going for it here
0: Yeah, I I guess you need to put yourself in the mindset of the person you're trying to reach. You know, they are probably busy they might have seen your first message and actually be really grateful for the prompt or the reminder that they're receiving from you and even just um myself when I did my own candidate outreach um it seemed to be the fifth sixth or seventh touch point where I would get some sort of response and that's the case with our members as well we see this time and time again so you know at first glance um or when you first hear about a 12-step uh touch uh a 12 step candidate campaign you may feel that is um overboard but actually you know this has been tried and tested and that's the reason we want to ensure that you're doing a real analysis of your own touch points that you're currently doing
1: exactly and like we we have the data to show that this works our members are very transparent in sharing their campaigns and their open rates their response rates the percentage of people who they reach out to who book appointments and we can see the data that shows that it's often the second third fifth sixth seventh you know touch point which results in that candidate responding and and booking a call so if you're not going to that length uh, or going to those lengths you are leaving money on the table and potentially doing not just yourself a disservice but the candidate like Think about they're not, if if you fail to, this is the mindset that I would bring as a recruiter to, and, and maybe reframe it in the following way. If you fail to, to get the attention of and engage with that candidate, that means they're going to be ignorant about your opportunity. They're not going to have that chance to learn about something that could be, you know, accelerate their career and could really be life changing for them. So I guess what it boils down to in your mindset is do you truly believe that this is an incredible opportunity? And you're excited about, you know, uh, introducing this opportunity to somebody because, you know, for somebody it is going to it is going to change their life. And if you really don't think if you think it's an average or it's a mediocre opportunity, why are you even working on it? Right? So On the other hand, if it is a fantastic opportunity, then don't you owe it to yourself and your client and the candidate to make sure that they are fully aware of what is uh, on offer here.
0: I would say the other benefits of doing um, this multi-step approach is the increase in response to your candidate outreach. So you will see the response, um, you know, no doubt, and it will increase the number of quality candidates uh, that you can also present. Um, it will shorten the time to fill um, a position um, because you're not relying on constantly on somebody coming back to you because you're actually doing those multiple touch points to speed that process along. Um, you'll save time as well by leveraging tools and automation and you'll ultimately just feel back in control of that candidate pipeline i think it's so easy to let candidates slip through the net just because you've not received a response from them so it's so um crucial to be persevering with these touch points
1: absolutely leanne actually a a couple more things occurred to me regarding the the downsides of relying on linkedin as your primary source of candidates number one is that you do not own LinkedIn. We've talked about this before. Um, That data is does not belong to you. It belongs to LinkedIn. And they could, if they wanted to at any time, just cut you off. OK, they could restrict your account. They could put you in LinkedIn jail. They could uh, remove that facility. And you all that time you've invested curating that network and building up, you know, saved list of candidates and, and candidate pools on LinkedIn. Um, you know, could all be taken away from you. So we always recommend to our clients that they um, are able to get that data off of LinkedIn and into their own database, and uh, so that their own database becomes the first place, the default place that they go to look for candidates first, rather than to LinkedIn. And the second thing, remember, is that as Leanne said. Your clients and your competitors are also fishing from that same pool. So the chances of you finding unique talent that you can represent exclusively to your client uh, decreases, right? Okay, so Leanne, maybe we should just give people a flavor of what we mean by different touch points, different channels, because people might be thinking like, 12 seems like a lot. I can't even think of that many different ways to reach out to people. So could you just give uh, some examples to help people, stimulate people's thinking?
0: Yeah. So the use of text messaging, um, absolutely still do your LinkedIn messages, but add to that sequence, um, add to your email sequences as well. And not just uh, pitching, actually giving value, um, something that's going to trigger that response even just to be a conversation starter uh, rather than just the standard, you know, are you looking for a position? This is what I'm working on. Um, other things you could utilize are um, voice notes, a personalized video, but also multiple attempts across um, a period of time. You um, want to make sure that you're really mixing this up because you never know what someone will respond to in terms of perhaps seeing their LinkedIn profile because you're sharing their LinkedIn profile on a Loom video, for example.
1: And uh, and don't forget the phone as well. Like it's it's funny because um, I th- I, what we're saying is we've got the old guard, they sort of m- experienced tenured recruiters and they often favor the telephone as their primary source of outreach. And for those recruitment business owners, we're getting them to add to that these other channels, more technology, more email, uh, embracing technology, but then we've got our younger recruiters who are the opposite, right, who might favor like reaching out on LinkedIn or social media or p- potentially email, but they're not using the phone and they're often scared to pick up the phone and and follow up on their on their outreach in order to 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 get a conversation going, so we're trying to bridge that gap and get people to embrace all of these different modes of uh, communication. So Leanne, based on everything we've shared today, uh, what are some simple steps that people can take to put this into action?
0: So the key here is to not overcomplicate this. Look at your current candidate outreach, write down the steps that you currently have, and then figure out what additional steps could you add to enhance that outreach. Um, and then thirdly, what which of these steps could you actually automate? Um, for example, your email sequence and outreach.
1: Okay, Leanne, thank you for those three action steps. And by the way, like you don't have to figure this out on your own. If you would like our help to help you build out your candidate outreach campaigns and learn how to leverage automation technologies, then definitely get in touch. Um, You can book a free strategy call with either myself or Leanne at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. And actually, the timing is perfect because we have a new cohort starting our inner circle coaching program on the 26th of September. So if you've been curious about our inner circle coaching program, but you haven't reached out yet, don't wait, get in touch, go to that website, recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. And you'll speak to either me or Leanne we will get a good understanding of your current situation, your goals, your challenges. And on that call we will actually help you to outline a custom roadmap for leveling out your billings awesome okay so be sure to tune in next time leanne What's the topic for our next uh, podcast that we're recording together?
0: So next week, mistake number four, doing everything yourself instead of delegating and automating. And this is my favorite topic. Uh, When I ran my own recruitment business, I managed to claw back 25 hours of my time per week um, simply by implementing automation strategies and hiring three offshore virtual assistants. So next week, we're going to be discussing why you shouldn't be the one wearing these several hats and spinning all of the plates, even if you are a solo recruiter, but also how to get started on the process of delegating and outsourcing and automating parts of your recruitment process so that as a business owner, you'll focus more on the activities of working strategically on your business.
1: Love it. All right. I'm looking forward to that. And in the meantime, have an awesome week. And uh, Leanne, I'll see you later. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.